0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you a fresh new episode of Monday Madness on April 11th, 2022. I'm not sure if you've heard the good news yet, but the Rare Petro Media team has been releasing a new segment called The Wacky World of Energy. And we're still working out the kinks and trying to get a faster turnaround, so you will have a bonus episode this week. That's right, one Tuesday and then one Wednesday. One of those episodes have been recorded... (laughs) the very day this podcast is coming out that's right we stay busy turning out content for you so go ahead and frack that follow button so you stay up to date on all things energy related we cover a lot of ground here and hope you join us for the ride as well as become better energy professionals but enough of that i know you didn't come here to listen to self-promo you came to hear the biggest news stories and most revealing statistics in the world of oil gas and energy Commodity prices are performing a little bit differently than we have observed in recent months. Typically, we see WTI gaining strength relative to natural gas. This week is a whole different ballgame. A week ago, oil was just shy of $105. From there, it fell to around $100, and now we are looking to consolidate around 90 Markets aren't fans of immediate and volatile changes, and we may be seeing that with WTI cooling off from the Russian invasion. If prices are to settle here, it will leave us at a floor higher than what it was before the invasion, but I also believe that it's just the beginning of expensive energy. Most people know that prices are probably just a little bit higher than they should be right now thanks to Russia, and I believe this is why folks are continuing to pay down debt rather than expand their production portfolio. This means that the price could settle soon, but I truly believe we are looking at much higher prices in the future. Each day, it becomes... More and more clear that energy is power. Thankfully, we have the ability to produce more should things get truly painful. But all things are in balance. While crude ain't doing as hot, natural gas is up to 660 at the moment and shows signs of climbing higher. The demand for natural gas is high, and we can't service this shortage in Europe fast enough. Just a month ago, natural gas was at about 470. That's a $2 difference in a matter of weeks. If crude oil taught us anything, we can probably expect natural gas to cool off soon and come down in price. Maybe not much, but it has been on an absolute tear. In short, oil doing well in the long term, and natural gas is doing well in the long term, so things to be thankful about. Next up is the rig count. I know these numbers may come as a shock, as I just said moments ago that people aren't going drill crazy and are exercising restraint, But we are up 16 rigs on the week, which I believe is the biggest increase we have seen so far in 2022. This brings us to a total of 689, or 257 more rigs than we had this time last year. I know it sounds like a lot, but this is nothing compared to the totals of more than 1,000 years in the past. I mean, it's good, but it's not crazy. These are healthy levels. Unsurprisingly, all of this new growth is centered in the Permian, where 9 new rigs went up. Otherwise, the DJ Niobrera, Eagleford, Hainesville, Utica, and Williston each gained one. Now, if we'd seen nine rigs go up in the Barnett Shale, I'd say that's something significant to note. The Permian seeing nine new rigs is really nothing out of the ordinary. This now brings the Permian to 108 more rigs than they had this time last year, which really does sound like reasonable, healthy growth. Basin-by-basin results are almost directly mirrored to the state-by-state results, so I'll just save my breath. Virtually all of the new rigs are horizontal and targeting oil. While onshore is great, the Gulf did lose two of its rigs, lowering its total from 14 to 12. This report ain't too shabby. Lots of growth in Texas, and no one had to put any rigs down outside of the Gulf, so you really can't complain. Lastly is the inventory report, which you could have read on www.rarepetro.com. In case you missed it, I'll get you all caught up with a rough and dirty shakedown. The EIA was getting comfortable with the trend of significant drawdowns and predicted a 2 million barrel drawdown. This would have been in line with results from recent weeks, but unfortunately, the resulting build was nearly 2.5 million barrels. While the API predicted a slightly smaller drawdown at 1.5 million barrels, they were also too optimistic. This is largely a result of the Chinese lockdowns, but even those folks are growing restless as access to food, medicine, and water proves difficult. If this is not a freak build and the current state of events actually results in an inventory build, then the Biden administration SPR release could make a significant difference in the short term. An extra million barrels a week will not always result in a build, but it can certainly make them more frequent. It's not huge in comparison to what we consume on the daily, but again, it can have an effect. Regardless, this build is nothing terrible. It still leaves us below the five-year historic range and is actually much smaller than builds we've seen in the past. Despite these historic inventory releases just around the corner, US gasoline inventories just dropped another two million barrels on the week. This reinforces the upwards trajectory of gasoline price. If not corrected, the national average will hit $4 a gallon of regular gasoline in about eight weeks time. The national average is down about seven cents on the week, which is one of the biggest decreases we've seen in months. The tricky part will be continuing in this negative direction. Distillates are attempting to reach back into historically normal territory and just might run into it sideways, but propane also continues to lay low, not doing anything alarming. In fact, it is one of the few commodities that has been able to behave normally when compared to the past. But that wraps up all of our statistics. So, what's going on in world events? We recorded quite a bit about the Russian situation, especially the ruble, so you can hear about that on Wednesday. Otherwise, I think we should touch on some uplifting R&D news. Never thought I'd say that. Ineos is one of the largest oil and gas operators in the North Sea. They believe a future of energy independence is important for the UK and have requested a license to develop a fracking site. The goal? Prove that the tech is safe. Now, Most of us are totally comfortable with hydraulic fracturing and understand what it truly entails. Unfortunately, the general public has been fed some nasty disinformation that leads them to believe that Satan himself invented the process. While the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a terrible situation, it has crafted this strange environment where this conversation could happen. Can you imagine if someone pitched this back in 2020 when oil prices had recovered to just the $60 range? Boris Johnson would have laughed in their faces and told them to just buy a Tesla. Now, energy shortages are not just a boogeyman, but rather the daily state of events for folks in Europe, specifically the UK. This crisis came just as crews were getting ready to seal valuable producing assets in the North Sea. Quadria owned the assets and the CEO said, quote, I would like to thank the prime minister and the business secretary for seeing the light and realizing just in time that how absurd it would have been to force us to pour concrete down Britain's only two viable shale gas wells in the middle of an energy crisis, end quote. Unfortunately, they're going about this new test well really the same way they've been doing it for years, by ordering a scientific review over the effects of fracking on the environment. To me, this just sounds like the UK is buying itself three months of time, hoping that Russia comes to its senses and sells what they might consider to be ethical and affordable energy. While this story is not huge in and of itself, it highlights the fact that leaders are willing to have conversations about conventional energy. It's a beautiful start, so I am excited to see what comes of it. Next, a little bit of confirmation bias. If you've listened to this podcast for a few months, you would know that Rare Petro believes OPEC is producing at maximum capacity and really can't bring anything else to the table. Sure, 2020 production restrictions were all fine and dandy, but there are two big problems. The first is money there isn't a lot of investment going into conventional energy projects for OPEC members. While the magnitude of money going in is huge, the investment has shifted from conventional energy to green projects. Saudi Arabia has poured hundreds of millions of dollars into green energy projects in the past couple of years, but we aren't seeing the same magnitude of investment in traditional energy, especially for many of the smaller OPEC members. So that's the first problem, money. The second, operations. Some wells, if left offline for too long, may not be able to just come back online. It's not a tap, it's not a spigot. There's lots of complex stuff <laughs> going on down hole that can change these wellbore environments. There are dozens of reasons a well would not perform to the same standard as it was performing prior to being shut in. Not only that, but operations are in a bit of a lull. Labor and materials are short. We need more money and more material investment to conventional energy if we want to produce more as a world but it just isn't happening. Now, Nigeria is publicly claiming that OPEC is out of spare capacity. As Nigeria's petroleum minister says, quote, If there is anything we can do to produce more, OPEC will be first to produce more. But, unfortunately, this capacity doesn't exist in most OPEC countries. End quote. He's right. Outside of Saudi Arabia and the UAE, every OPEC member is producing less today than they were in 2020. If you consider this with the supply shock caused by Russia, we're looking at one of the biggest supply constraints that we have seen in decades. It may even come to the point of rivaling the embargo of the 70s. In short, the world is on the brink of a rather devastating energy shortage that could spiral into other parts of world markets. Energy is a feedstock for everything we do, whether that's food, transportation, manufacturing. So let's hope we address the issues before they get out of hand. But that is all we've got for you today. I know it sounds like doom and gloom ahead, but I'm sure things will be okay in the end. Just know what it is and the difference from what it isn't. Keep your ears open, your nose in books, and spirit high. Head on over to www.rarepetro.com to find even more of our content covering all things energy related. Thanks again for tuning in. And until we see you next time, take care everybody.